in the name of our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen. Maybe you've heard of the famous Episcopalian, Dr. Brene Brown. Can I get a show of hands? Have you heard of this woman and her work? Excellent. Brene is an author, a professor in Houston, and a storyteller who specifically researches connection and the human capacity to be connected to one another. Early on in her research, Brene discovered that shame and fear were the main things that unraveled connection. Shame and fear unravels our ability to have meaningful connection with one another. And beneath all of this, Brene says, is vulnerability. Vulnerability is something we as humans try to avoid. In fact, our society has conditioned us to avoid being or appearing vulnerable. But vulnerability is actually the place where connection is made possible. Brene says vulnerability is the idea that in order to have connection, we must allow ourselves to be seen. We must allow ourselves to be seen. In her research, Brene has found that vulnerability as the door to connection is the birthplace of creativity, innovation, and change. But when we venture into vulnerability and allow ourselves to be seen, we're also met with shame and fear. Either our own shame and fear or the shame and fear of others. Shame, Brene says, is the swampland of the soul. Shame, she says, has two main tracks, two messages that get repeated over and over again. You're not good enough. Or maybe we hear, I'm not good enough. And who do you think you are? Does that sound familiar to any of you? This morning we hear Jesus get met with the voices of shame and fear in our gospel passage. Jesus returned to his hometown and his disciples come along on the Sabbath, he gave a lecture, and it was a big hit, impressing everyone. We had no idea he was this good, they all said. How did he get so wise all of a sudden? How did he get such ability? And in the very next breath, they are cutting him down. Isn't he just a carpenter? Just Mary's boy? We've known him since he was a kid. We know his brothers and his sisters. Who does he think he is? They tripped over what little they knew about him, and they never got much further than that. And Jesus wasn't able to do much there for all their shame and all their fear. Jesus is met with the question, who do you think you are? He hears the phrase, you're not good enough to teach us. You're not good enough. Who do you think you are? 
I think we can all agree that Jesus was a model of what it means to be vulnerable. Not only did Jesus model excruciating vulnerability by walking willingly to his death, to be made vulnerable in pain and suffering, all in order to share the unconditional love of God with the world. He also walked willingly into vulnerability in his life. In his teachings and in his walk with others, Jesus was excellent at making connection with others through vulnerability. And he was shamed for it. Fear and shame met him everywhere he went, in his hometown, in the temples, in conversations with the legal experts, the Pharisees, the elite. He touched the wounds of the world's most vulnerable, poured love and empathy into the spiritual and physical wounds of others. They thanked him for it. And many scorned him for it. All that he had to say about the kingdom of God and all he had to preach about the unconditional love of God was often met with shame and fear. He's just a carpenter, just Mary's son. He's not good enough. Who does he think he is? And later we hear the crowds cry, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Not everyone wants to receive Jesus. Not everyone wants to receive the kingdom of God. Jesus, though, wants to walk with us through the swamplands of our soul, wants to pour love into those spaces. And he wants us to help him pour empathy and love into those spaces in one another. Jesus wants us to build connections with one another. If we want to have control in this world, if we want our God to be black and white, right and wrong, with clear guidelines and rules on who is in and who is out, then of course we will meet Jesus and his message with shame and fear. Or worse, distort what Jesus came to teach to fit our selfish needs and limited understanding. When the kingdom shows up authentically in ways that require us to lose control and rest in faith, and we can't let go of control or let our own will rest, then shame and fear will inevitably take over. Shame and fear react to push away vulnerability at all costs in order to keep us from standing in our truth, in order to keep us from one another, and ultimately to keep us from a right relationship with our God. And we see this happening all around us today. When the vulnerable shout, Black Lives Matter, shame and fear punish, diminish, and silence. When the abused cry out, me too, shame and fear mock, laugh, and ridicule. When the marginalized cry out freedom and the suffering cry out sanctuary, shame and fear respond with cages, control, and threats. 
Shame and fear will take what they want to believe about God, put God in a box and dress it up to look like the world according to itself. But if we are faithfully following Jesus, faithfully working to make the kingdom of God manifest in this world, then we know our truth. The truth that we are all, every person and all of creation are all beloved creatures of our Creator. We were created in the fires of divine love and that our lives belong to God. We know the truth that the kingdom is not something to be controlled and defined according to our own needs and our own need to have power. The truth that God loves and his love, her love, belongs to all of God's creation, not to a select few or chosen elite. As creations of our creator, our power lies in the ability to venture faithfully and with courage into that divine, divine love without knowing what will happen next. Our power lies in our ability to walk willingly into vulnerability in order to make authentic connection with one another, all in order to mirror back to one another the divine love that made us. In the second part of today's gospel passage, when Jesus sends out his disciples two by two to heal the suffering and cast out demons, he instructs his disciples to shake the dust from your feet as testimony against those who won't welcome you and your message. When Jesus says this, instructs his disciples to shake the dust from their feet and move on, he isn't dismissing those who ridicule. He isn't saying, oh, forget those losers. He isn't saying, just forget the voices of shame and fear. When he tells his disciples to shake the dust from their feet and move on, he is instructing his disciples to stand in their truth. Jesus met the voices of shame and fear everywhere he went. It was the voices of shame and fear he heard as he was being sentenced to death and as he was dying on the cross. Jesus knew these voices well. He knew the faces of shame and fear, and he never dismissed them. But what he did do was remain firmly rooted in his truth. And this is what he instructs his disciples to do in this morning's gospel. Do not let those voices change you, he says. Remain firmly rooted in the truth I have shared with you, the truth of God's unconditional love. When you meet the voice of shame, when you meet the face of fear, shake the dust off your feet. Do not let it change you. Do not let those voices change your truth. That is the power Jesus gave to his disciples. And this is the power Jesus gives to us. Do not let those voices change you. 
Stand firmly rooted in your truth, in the truth of God's unconditional love. And we must have the courage to do this. We must have the courage and the faith to remain firmly rooted in our truth, in the truth that our God journeys with us, walks with us, and suffers with us in this life. The truth that God will make new life where there is pain, suffering, and death. That God will be there for us, always finding ways to show us love, even if we don't know how or what it will look like or what will happen from one moment to the next. That God is in control and we are not and that God loves us without exception. Brene Brown says that if you put shame in a petri dish, it needs three things to survive. It needs secrecy, silence, and judgment. You're not good enough. Be quiet. Who do you think you are? If you douse that shame-filled petri dish with empathy, love, and compassion, Shame and fear cannot survive. If when someone shares their deepest anguish and suffering and it's met with secrecy, silence, and judgment, then we are only cultivating lands for shame and fear to thrive. If when someone shares their deepest anguish and suffering, shares their deepest truth, their story, and it's met with empathy, with compassion, with the words of, me too, I've been there, I see you, I hear you. If we can mirror God's unconditional love back to one another, then shame and fear cannot survive. When you hear the voice, you're not good enough, we say, by the grace of God, I am, I am more than enough. When you hear, who do you think you are, we say, I am one of God's beloved, and so are you. If we can journey with one another into vulnerability like Jesus modeled for us in his life and his death, then our greatest capacity for connection is possible. If we can do this work and walk the way of Jesus, then shame and fear will wither and we can begin to make the kingdom of God manifest. We as followers of Jesus have the medicine for the disease of shame and fear. We have the power to dismantle the culture of shame and fear with the tools of love, compassion, and empathy. And when we do this, we will begin to make our way back to the divine love that created us. Shake the dust from your feet, Jesus says. You are more than enough. You are one of God's beloved. Stand in your truth. Love one another as I have loved you. And do not let the voices of shame and fear stop you from sharing God's unconditional love with this world. Amen.